2: Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Tuesday, November the 7th. And a top story today, and one of the most stories on the website, it's about the number of children in Kent not going to school. You may have heard that since the pandemic, there's been a real issue with young people simply not turning up to class, and it can lead to parents ending up in court. Well, our reporter, James Pallant, has been looking into this issue in depth for Kent Online and joins me now. James, thanks ever so much for being on the podcast today. Firstly, can you give us the data then? How many children are absent from school?
3: Hi Nicola, thank you for having me. Yes, so the latest figures we have say that during the last complete school year, 25% of Kent pupils were persistently absent, meaning they missed at least 10% of school days. That's over 50,000 children repeatedly missing important class time. And that figure for the 2022-23 school year is almost double the pre-pandemic 2018-2019 rate Of 12%.
2: And James, how much trouble can parents get in then if their child or children consistently skips class?
3: Well, I should first make it clear that the County Council say they only prosecute parents for failing to ensure their children regularly attend school in the most severe of cases, and that schools do repeatedly try to engage with parents to find a solution before it gets to that point. But ultimately, if a poor attendance issue is not resolved, the Council puts the parents before magistrates, where If convicted, they could face punishments ranging from fines to community service orders to even three months in prison for the most drastic cases.
2: Now, you recently spent a day at Folkestone Magistrates Court. What did you make of what you heard?
3: Some kids' school attendance is extremely poor. One child discussed in proceedings had attended school just three times in the entire school year. I heard parents and guardians try to explain just how difficult it is to get an unwilling child to go to school. Based on the testimony I heard... It's certainly not the case that mums and dads just can't be bothered to get their kids to go to school. They want their children to get a good education and have school friends as any good parent would, of course. But mums and dads repeatedly pointed to difficult family situations and the effect they have on their kids' mental health and, in turn, their school attendance records. One mum said that after she and her partner broke up, her son responded by not wanting to be away from home or away from his mum at all. And... As hard as she tried, she simply could not force him to either go to school or stay at school.
2: 104 parents were taken to court in Kent last year. What have experts had to say to you?
3: I spoke to Nicola Baldwin, who is a parent support engagement lead at Spurgeons, a children's charity which offers help and advice to families. She says that the council prosecuting parents in this way is counterproductive. The time, expense and stress of attending court hearings, let alone possibly having to pay pay hundreds of pounds in fines, or even going to prison, all of these things, Miss Baldwin says, are only going to make what is likely already a difficult home life even more difficult. She also stressed the need for schools to really listen to parents' concerns and work with families to make accommodations for children. I also spoke to head teacher Dr. Roland Speller, who runs the Abbey School in Faversham. He told me educators across the county are working hard to address attendance issues but that many classrooms are still recovering from the COVID pandemic when attendance took a serious dip.
2: James, thank you ever so much for joining me. And we can also hear today from Tanya, whose daughter has struggled to go to school since COVID. She's calling for much more support for parents.
1: Basically, anything you can think of, we've tried. And nothing seems to either help her or give her that push to even try. And I'm now at the point like I contacted a parent helpline. Um, I mean, finding out that I'm not the only one going through this is amazing. Um, But yeah, in regards to the school and the doctors, I feel like there's only so much they can do, but we need more.
0: Tell me about um, when you reached out to Action for Children, what what was that experience like and what's that
1: given to you? So I was online looking for someone to talk to And so I told them, found them, told them my story, told them what we were going through. And they recommended me to some other, I think they were charity organisations that could help me. And somehow they managed to calm me down and explain that I wasn't the only one going through it. This is not a rarity at the minute. And it just, it made me feel so much better.
0: Have you been put in touch with other parents going through the same thing?
1: Not yet, but I'm trying. I'm trying. I mean, my, where my mum works, there's uh, another parent who's going through the same thing, but the child's a little bit older. Um, and has obviously been through cams and has that diagnosis of if there is anything else there. Um, but obviously for me, it's still a waiting, waiting game.
0: Before the pandemic, had your daughter shown any signs of being an anxious person or had she ever done anything like this before?
1: No, she was a bit introverted. Um, but just before COVID, she proper came out of herself. And her confidence was building. She had loads of friends. And then lockdown hit. She'd done really well with the homeschooling. Um, like previously, we had no issues with her making friends. Like she used to go, we used to go to Blue Water and I used to let her go off with her, a couple of her friends for an hour or two. Um, but yeah, no issues. And then after COVID, it's like she can't leave her bedroom. I think every school should offer homeschooling for children with this problem. Because I mean, they've done it through COVID. My daughter got on really well with it. I just don't understand why they can't continue it for children that are having issues.
2: Tanya, was speaking to Kate there and perhaps you've got a story you want to share or you want to have a say on this issue. You can read James's report in full and leave a comment by heading to kentonline.co.uk or indeed you can message us via our socials. Kent Online News. We've got some crime news next and a mum accused of murdering her 18-month-old son in a caravan near Faversham has told a court her boyfriend must have attacked the toddler while she was away trying to buy drugs Alfie Phillips was found with more than 70 injuries in hernhill in 2020. Sean Hedges who's 27 and from Yelverton in Devon denies murder along with 35 year old Jack Benham from High Street Road the trial continues the manager of a nightclub in Maidstone has been caught on CCTV chasing a man from the venue and then beating and kicking him the victim allegedly made comments about Cameron Dark's daughter which caused the man to launch the attack outside the zoo bar and nightclub. The 25-year-old, who lives in Franklin Drive in Weavering, pleaded guilty in court and will be sentenced next year. A Gravesend man has appeared in court, accused of sending abusive messages to his ex-partner after she started seeing someone else. Liam McLeod made threats to his former girlfriend's unborn baby and told her he'd put her new boyfriend to sleep. Well, the 20-year-old, who lives in Romanian Walk, was given a 12-month community order, He's also got to do 60 hours of unpaid work and pay £250 in costs. And a prolific thief from Canterbury is back behind bars after racking up his 23rd criminal conviction. Mark Scamp was caught with a toolkit of instruments designed to break into cars as well as cloned number plates, a crowbar and several keys. The 38-year-old from Dickens Avenue has been jailed for 19 months. Now, it's been a very big day in Parliament with the first King's speech in more than 70 years. While King Charles III previously stepped in for his late mother, the Queen, this was his first speech as monarch. His Majesty has set out the government's plans for the next year. Well, let's get some analysis from our political editor, Paul Francis.
4: Now, amid all the pomp and pageantry, golden carriages and politicians in strange outfits, this King's speech is an important moment for the government and for parliament because it sets out the government's legislative program for the forthcoming months and that means it could well be the last before a general election. Now amongst the measures was a pledge to enact the bill that would clamp down on the number of small boats crossings across the channel, which is an important issue for Kent, as we all know. And aside from that, there were some announcements, again, heavily trailed in terms of the criminal justice system, including plans to force defendants to attend sentencing hearings in court. Uh, And uh, other measures include plans that judges will have to give whole life sentences for certain types of murder. Now obviously there will be a a debate on these proposals which will go on for five days after which there will be a vote. That debate will end uh, next week.
2: Kent Online
4: reports.
2: A Medway charity boss has criticised the Home Secretary for describing rough sleeping as a lifestyle choice. You may have heard that Suella Braverman made the controversial comments while defending a policy to try and restrict the use of tents by homeless people. Well, Neil Charlick runs Gillingham Street Angels and he's been speaking to Lucy. To
5: be honest, I don't even know why she said it, but it's a really odd statement to make and there's people out there whether she's actually met any homeless people seen any homeless people in real life it's not really what happens you can't just these guys have had it hard enough anyway they're not intentional homeless most of these people they're people that are struggling with the times we're all struggling everybody's struggling so to then say you know homeless people can't have tents you know what we next we're going to take their clothes off of them it's not it's grim that's why the voluntary sector and all these organizations are out there to help is to help these people get through which is already an extremely difficult time.
0: So so what did you make about of, of her comments saying that homelessness um, was a lifestyle choice? It's
5: not a lifestyle. It's more they're you know, people kind of lifestyle, to be honest. They're the people that are putting the pressure on these people. They can't afford to rent. You need a guarantor these days. F- finding anywhere to rent and people for different circumstances become homeless. It's really generalising saying that, you know, everyone out there is homeless for a reason, whether it's alcohol, drugs, mental health. There's many reasons. You can't just, you know, generalise it and say, oh see everyone's out there, they just want to be out there. You don't wake up from work one day and just think, I don't want to go to work anymore. I'll tell you what, I'll go and live in a tent. It just doesn't work like that. We get called on a daily basis with people with different reasons why they're homeless. And it's it's very hard for people. So the people out there, they've already had a tough time. They need support. They need support. Uh, the government, the homeless sector, you know, all the, the, the voluntary sector seem to do it. Government, I find, are not very useful at all. I keep well out of politics because they don't really... Know what's going on, on the ground. People like us are out there doing stuff on a daily basis, helping the people that need it.
0: Do you think these comments show that perhaps Suella Braverman is quite out of touch with what's going on in in real people's lives?
5: They're very out of touch. You know, I went to Parliament recently myself. Um, it's just in a different a different scale of things. I mean, there's more policemen around Parliament than there probably is not a whole of Kent. You know, it's 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 madness. And why you can make a comment like that when you've got no idea about homelessness is just is just crazy. You know, before she, she says things like that, go and talk to a homeless charity, go and talk to someone homeless and actually get the correct information rather than just say things like that and land herself in all sorts of uh, trouble.
0: What would you say to Suella Bravman um, if, if you could sort of sit down with her, if she did approach you and, and said, OK, tell, tell me what the issue is, tell me how we can fix it? What, what advice would you give?
5: I'd come to a food bank, come to a soup kitchen, go to a homeless camp and actually look what, what these guys are going through and what the problems they have. Tents, one of the things she's saying about don't give people tents, people put them on high streets, it's not a great place to have it on the high street, but it's safety, there's cameras, there's other people around and they feel safe. People then go into the woods, people hide in the woods in these tents, we get numerous calls about tent fires, we had a very big one a couple of years ago here, where people were very badly injured in a tent fire that was arson, people get their tents slashed, their stuff stolen. So it's not, there isn't a great choice. There isn't a campsite for homeless people. It's either in the high street where you feel safe or some people feel safe in the woods. They need to go out and actually see what goes on to these, to these people and see the kind of life they live. It's not, it's not a glamorous lifestyle. We live in a tent with a sleeping bag, getting help off of people that you know are willing to help which is not the government, it's the voluntary sector and other organisations that are doing it for free, most of them.
2: A cafe near Ashford has been forced to close down after they were given a zero-star food hygiene rating. Inspectors found rat droppings in the kitchen of the Blue and White Cafe in Smeath just months after the owner pledged to clean up the site. Bosses voluntarily closed up. There's no word yet if it'll reopen. Some house-building news and plans for 160 homes on 15 acres of farmland in Herne Bay has been given the go-ahead, despite concerns from neighbours. Permission has been granted to roll out the estate on land off Bullockstone Road. Critics say the area already has plenty of housing and there's not enough roads, doctors and schools for the new residents. Meantime, a housing development on an orchard on the outskirts of Sittingbourne looks set to be rejected after hundreds of complaints. Planning officers have recommended councillors shut down the nearly 300 new homes that were planned for Tunstall. A decision on the site is this Thursday. Kent Online reports. A man's been taken to hospital with serious head injuries after being attacked in Maidstone. He's thought to have been punched by someone holding a glass or bottle at Social Chill Bar in Week Street in the early hours of Sunday. A 34-year-old man's been charged with GBH and is due at Crown Court next month. Dog owners across Maidstone say their pets are falling ill and in some cases even and dying after walking through certain wooded areas. An unknown contaminant has put the lives of several dogs at risk after walking through Moat Park, Tovel and Langley. Now, the council have been working with owners to find a connection but have so far been unable to determine the cause. Of course, we will keep you updated on any more developments with that story. But next on the podcast today, we've got some reaction to news that tips across Kent won't be shutting. The county council were looking to close four sites in Maidstone, Richborough, Dartford and Faversham in a bid to balance their budget, but the controversial proposals were voted down. It follows protests and petitions from residents that we featured on the podcast in previous episodes. They were concerned that any closures would lead to an increase of fly tipping. Stuart Jeffrey is a Green councillor in Maidstone and he's been sharing his thoughts with Kate.
6: It's a very welcome decision. Um, The frustration is it's put people um, in, in in a a state of worry for um, what is it nine months or so um, mm-hmm. since they that they announced their plans. Um, why we had to go through that is is really frustrating but it's a really welcome decision and uh, and let's hope that they they reflect on, on on that failed plan and and come up with a, a better way of <laughs> of managing their finances.
0: I read in the um, statement that was sent out by your office this morning um, about the idea of introducing a circular economy. Could you talk me through what that means and how that would benefit uh, the borough?
6: Yeah, so KCC now have an opportunity to rethink the way waste is dealt with. Um, we we have this real linear process for the stuff we consume. We dig it up, we consume it, use it, and then we throw it away and it gets buried or burnt or or whatever it is. It's very linear. The the world is in crisis in both things like biodiversity, climate change, and resources. Um, What we need to be doing is repairing, reusing, and, and, and to some degree, recycling where we can't do repair and reuse. But we've got to move away from Dumping, burning and so forth. And we have to almost move away from from recycling because recycling requires um, for for many substances requires a a significant amount of energy and it's not infinite recycling um, unless it's something like aluminium cans, which you can carry on recycling forever. there is there is a finite aspect to it. So we need more repair. We meet, need more reuse of stuff. And that's where the circular economy comes in. It's much better for the environment, for planets. And, and it saves us all money ultimately.
0: In the future, would you like to see KCC sort of when they're looking to save money, moving away from taking it away from sort of environmental causes and looking to cut costs somewhere else?
6: Yeah. I mean, ultimately, KCC are in a bit of a bind like many councils around the country. national government is simply not funding local areas to the extent that is required um but cutting environmental um areas is is fundamentally wrong. cutting social care is wrong we we've kind of got to protect both people and and the world we we live in.
2: Kent online news. The Kent Online podcast has been told the number of students at Ashford College has doubled in just three years. The Alwick Road site has just had a £10 million extension completed. The engineering hub will help train the next generation of plumbers, electricians and digital experts. Well, Graeme Reisy is chief exec of the EKC Group, which runs the campus.
7: The extension, £10 million worth of new build, will house an additional 400 students uh, studying Plumbing, electrical, engineering, business studies, um, and we'll provide industry standard oh, kind of world leading facilities for technical training uh, for the young people and adults. Uh, across the Ashford Borough and wider East Kent.
2: Mm. So there's a lot of, you said there's a lot of industry standard stuff, obviously downstairs we've even got robots. Um, how did the students react to this? It must be quite
5: exciting for them.
7: Yeah, look, you know, the facilities we have here are, you know, they rival any uh, industry body, they r- rival you know, other education institutions, you know, Ashford deserves to have this world leading kit and the students have responded fantastically to it. They're thrilled to be able to study in, in not only a building that looks stunning, but also having the kit and also really importantly, the teachers who are able to inspire them into their next careers. The industry of Ashford is is amazing. And, you know, we have just got to make sure that we're producing the, the workforce for it. Uh, that's our role as the, the local Further Education College and we're very pleased to do it.
2: Bosses in Tunbridge are set to decide if the town's Angel Centre should be refurbished or replaced altogether. The building opened in the early 80s and is in need of a major investment to make sure it's fit for purpose. A refurb would set the council back up to £14 million while a new building could cost as much as £20 million. Councillors will meet to discuss its future next week. And a festive tractor display is going to be returning to Kent this Christmas. The light is up parade will go through a number of towns and villages, including Goudhurst, Cranbrook, Staplehurst and Marden. It's been organised by the Weald of Kent Young Farmers Club.
1: Kent Online Sports.
2: Football and its EFL Trophy action for Gillingham tonight. They're welcoming Fulham's under-21s to Priestfield. It's the second game in charge for new Gills manager Stephen Clements and his first experience of the competition. Well, he says the team will be different from Saturday's FA Cup fixture and has been speaking to our reporter Luke Cordell. I
8: imagine this will be your first involvement in the EFL Trophy, won't it? It is my first involvement, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Looking forward to it. Just another game, I suppose. Any game's Just, good, isn't it? Any, any game's good. It's it's, a, it's another opportunity for me to see the players. I've watched the, as I say, most, I told you the other day. I watched most of the games this season, and uh, you don't really get to know about the players until you're in the dugout, mm. and you can see them close up. And I felt I learnt a lot tonight, um, a lot today. Sorry. Uh, in circumstances which were, which could have become difficult but the players with their character didn't let that happen uh, they stood firm and uh, yeah I'm really pleased You must have got to know them a bit better as well with your long bus journey and your hotel away and it's a big squad as well today wasn't it so you got to see most of them The players have been really really well they've been fantastic with me um, they know it's my first time doing this mm. uh, as a number one I've had to do a lot of things this week for the first time which I've never ever done um, which has been strange but I've enjoyed it and um, but what I've really enjoyed is getting on the training pitch for two days that's been my favourite part of the week Um, so this will all settle down all this um, stuff when a new manager comes in soon and, and I can just get to work with the players that's what I'm looking forward to most. Well, yeah. you, you managed to put uh, Lewis Walker on today as well. He's back on loan. Joe Biday as well is back as well. You've got a few extra bodies around. Yeah, there's a few. There's a few being brought back in. So uh, uh, Louis uh, he's he done well out on loan. So uh, yeah, we decided to bring him back and uh, um, yeah, sure up the squad a little bit. And, and I think um, he's done good. He's done well in training. So I think he might have something to offer.
2: Kick off tonight is at seven. You'll be able to follow all of the match action at Kent Online. The sports team are also covering Maidstone versus Eastbourne. And Dartford against Chelmsford. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok, and Threads. Plus, you can get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. And to sign up to that, you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.